Hi, friend. You are listening to the Finding Something Real podcast, a podcast created especially for someone who's not sure about relationship with Jesus Christ. My name is Janelle Wood, and while I have a background in counseling and ministry with women, the truth is I've been through my own seasons of questioning my faith. So if you've ever struggled with not being sure where you belong, or you felt like you were faking faith, or maybe a friend just shared this episode with you and you are feeling a little wounded or skeptical of all things God-related right now, welcome. This podcast is just for you. Finding Something Real is about a journey towards restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. My passion is Jesus Christ, and for me now, After having been through some real ups and downs on my own faith journey, I believe Christ is the hope and the answer to this world more than ever. But don't take my word for it. Listen to my friends as they share their own grace-filled journeys with you. My prayer is that if you haven't already, you'll find something real too. Well, welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast. This is your host, Janelle Wood. And you're listening in for season five, where we've been starting off each month with a different young woman sharing her faith story and allowing her the space to ask some tough questions about God and Christianity. And so this month, we introduced Zoe, my special friend and exchange quote unquote niece from France. In our first episode, Zoe shared some questions she has about Christian faith, including things like, How can you be sure there's a God or someone out there helping us? Or how can we know truth? And how different is life when you are a Christian? So if you haven't already, I highly recommend you go and check out that first episode with Zoe and hear more of her story. You can also listen to the last couple weeks of episodes where we had guests addressing some of those questions and more. We love talking with apologist and friend Alan Crostick about evidence for God. And last week's episode with ministry leader, apologist, and author Mary Jo Sharp was awesome as well. I loved how Mary Jo talked about why she still believes and her current Dark Room Faith project. Please check out those episodes at findingsomethingreal.com along with other things. And shout out to our Patreon supporters. I want to especially thank my friends, Chris and Janice Beginski, who each month are investing in this program. If you want to join them and others in helping Finding Something Real thrive and grow, especially next season, you can find out more about that by going to our website, again, findingsomethingreal.com, and choosing support at the top of the page. Also, brief commercial here, we are wrapping up our season six co-host recruitment endeavors which means it's not too late if you're listening to this episode in the first week or so of its publication. So sometime between the end of November and early December, friend, if you or someone you know is a young woman between the ages of 17 to 25, and you have some questions about God or Christianity, and you would be willing to talk about those on a podcast, hey, would you reach out to me? You can find out more info again at thefindingsomethingreal.com or send me a DM over Instagram at Janelle underscore M underscore Wood. You can just search for Finding Something Real and it will pop up. I would love to hear from you. I'm so thankful for the girls I've already talked with for season six, and I can't wait to see who else joins us for monthly conversations. Those questions that those young women bring up will curate the topics we cover in season six. So please reach out. Also, just a final thought on that. I often hear from mature Christians who listen to this podcast. So if that is you, I'm guessing you know someone, someone who is questioning or searching in regards to faith. And most of the girls I talk with on this podcast are either girls I've already invested in relationally, or they are girls who've been loved on by another Christian who has sent them my way. Not only is this a place to explore questions, but it's also a place to build bridges between those who share differing beliefs. So Christians, I'm just talking to you right now. Please share this podcast invitation with someone you love. And thank you so much in in advance for that. So back to today's show, I'm super excited to say that I'm joined by the very lovely Zoe from France. Zoe, welcome back. Thank you. (laughs) <laughs> you are currently in France. You, your exchange year ended. You went back in June. We are yeah. now recording this in November, very shortly, very shortly before it actually airs. And uh, 
tell us a little bit about what, what things have been like the last few months and um, any updates since we recorded back in January. Uh, well, it's been weird being back here and like readapting myself to my usual life mm-hmm. um, and school and everything. And I really miss life in Chilean and my host family who I had great conversation with, especially about faith. Yeah. Your host pastor, uh, or I'm sorry, your host dad was a pastor or is a pastor. And I know you guys talked a lot about Jesus. Do you still have those kind of conversations now that you're far away? And what's that? No, not much. Yeah. Uh, Where are you in your faith journey? Just for those listening, since it's been, I cannot believe this, but 10 months since we recorded that very first episode. So where are you now? If you wouldn't mind, especially for those who didn't listen to the first episode, where were you then? Where are you now? And uh, any other things you want to share about that? Well, I've never really believed in God in my life because uh, my family don't. So I didn't grow up in the Christian family. And then uh, coming to America, I experienced different things. And I started to ask questions, but right now I'm still not sure about it. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, it's hard to say. Yeah. Do you feel like your curiosity over the last few months has deepened or lessened since going back to France? Well, I have less curiosity since I'm not around Christian people all the time or I'm not going to church anymore. So I don't talk with uh, people in that way. Right. It's not very common for young people in your culture to talk about faith. Is that right? No. Yeah. Um, But you're here today. Uh, well, I always uh, love talking to people, uh, well, talking to you and also new people. And um, I just think that having a different point of view is just really interesting. And even if I don't believe to what the people might say, it's just, yeah, make me grow up more, I'd say, because it can make me more open-minded. So it's just a good point. Yeah, I've loved the conversations we've had. And actually, as you're talking, I'm remembering you also were part of the conversation that we had with Abdu Murray, who was on here back in May. That was a long time ago. And then again with Stephanie Roussel around that same time, um, who has the Gospel Spice Ministry and shared about her own experience as an exchange student from France coming to America, being confronted with the Christian faith in a way that she had never been before and then becoming a believer and now has a ministry, which I think is so interesting. Um, any lasting impressions from any of those conversations, either with Alan Crostick or Abdu Murray or Stephanie Roussel or even our conversation? Um, and then we'll move on to introducing today's guest. Well, I really like to have those thoughts, but like a day or two after I record a podcast, my mind is just thinking about everything. And I just have so much question that I didn't have while recording and just come after. And I'm just thinking about everything and it makes me kind of feel weird because I'm questioning <laughs> a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> so you're open to questioning then? Yeah. You're still open. Yeah. Well, Zoe, I'm super excited about today's guest because I think she's going to be um, just a great match for your questions here. Um, She's come highly recommended, which I just shared with her before we pressed record. But a speaker and author, Zandra Carroll received a bachelor's degree in biological science from Colorado State University and studied apologetics at ACCA. Did I pronounce that right? ACCA. The Oxford Center of uh, Christian Apologetics. Zandra continued her studies at Victoria University of Wellington. I believe that was in New Zealand, where she completed a master's degree in conservation biology. Her research includes work in, and I'm going to botch this here, parasitology, flow cytometry, (laughs) and ecological restoration, which code just means she's very smart. Um, Sandra (laughs) has shared the gospel on six continents, and she is passionate about educating Christians on our role as stewards of God's natural world. She speaks often on the philosophy of science and on the intersection of science and faith, such an important work. Sandra, thank you so much for being here today. 
Thank you for having me. You did great through those scientific terms. Give yourself a pat on the back. You did, <laughs> did awesome. I, I, it was okay. <laughs> it was okay. Yeah, you're great. <laughs> and is it Aka? Yeah. And Victoria at New Zealand? Victoria University. Yeah, that's correct. It's in wow. Wellington, the capital of New Zealand. Okay. Because I listened to a podcast you were on where you were explaining a little bit of that. I think they were from New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And I remember, yeah. Okay. What podcast was that? So we can put it in the show notes. Remember the one. So the people interviewing me were in New Zealand. Is that right? It was you and Lou Phillips, who's also been on this podcast and Alicia Wood. And you were mm-hmm. talking about your ministry, the Lighten group, I think. Okay. So I think that might have been with a group called Thinking Matters. Yes. And it's the largest apologetics group in New Zealand. And they have this amazing co-CEO team, uh, man and woman team. And it's, yeah, they're, they're wonderful. I love speaking on their podcast. So they're doing great stuff. Yeah. And you were also on their very first episode, I think they mentioned too, which is so cool. So we'll put a link to both of those in the show notes. And what was so great when I listened to that today, um, as I was scrolling down, looking for your name, I found Phoenix Hayes, who's also been on this podcast. It's just a small world, uh, Zandra, you know what I mean? Like it is or a small It's either a small world or you just know everybody. It's I know a lot of good people. That's <laughs> just it. Also, you went to Colorado State University, which is Colorado State University, the one that has the Moby Arena. Is it called Mo- the Moby? Yeah. Okay. I was stranded there. I don't want to say how old I was or what year, but I'll say the year. 1997, I was there for a youth conference and we got stranded. Um for hours because of a flash flood that went through that area. And afterwards we were waiting. Okay. (laughs) Zoe, you'll appreciate this. I was really young, younger than you are now. And a bunch of youth kids from all over the United States were here at this conference, thousands of kids. And our youth group decided to play like football in like the slushy, like sludge that was left over after Sandra's looking like, are you crazy? (laughs) No one would think this was a good idea. We did. We were playing football. And those of us who weren't were like going and picking up old library cards and stuff in front of the library and old books and like just like rummaging through stuff because it was littering, you know, the entire campus. And afterwards, we found out that there was sewage mixed in with all of that. So I have very strong, strong memories of Colorado State University and the campus. (laughs) Oh, my friend, please don't let that be your only memory. It's, it's actually it awesome. really lovely. It's a lovely <laughs> campus when it's not sopping with sewage. Yes. I promise. <laughs> it was awesome. They were wonderful. We loved staying at the facilities there. I was actually there twice at uh, three years apart, and we we loved the campus. So, uh, yes, beautiful area. <laughs> so um, all that to say, Zandra, would you share a little bit more about you and your own, you have a ministry right now. I'd love to hear more about that. And then I'll ask you about your faith journey. Yeah. So the, the ministry that I was a part of, um, sadly is no longer. So that has closed down the Lighten group, um, where I was working with, uh, Alicia Wood and Lou Phillips, as you mentioned before. So, um, unfortunately, <laughs> We're all looking for jobs right now, Um, but life goes on and God is still good and he still does his work. So um, right now I'm just sort of working through a couple of different writing contracts. Um, And one of them is with a ministry called Reflections. And uh, that is Dr. Ken Boa's ministry. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Dr. Ken Boa. He's a theologian um, and he's just a fantastic man. it's such an honor to be working with them. So I've got a contract uh, just for the next couple of months here that I'll be working with them, doing some writing and some podcasting. And then after that, who knows? Life's an adventure. So that's where I'm at with ministry wow. work. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry to hear that about when did uh, Lighten uh, dissolve? Was that just uh, recently? Yeah, just a couple of months ago. Okay. So. Oh, None exactly. of us were expecting it to happen either. So oh, it was shocking. Yeah, I was so excited about it. Um, just listening to that episode today. But um, Alicia and Lou have been on here. You guys are all fantastic speakers and apologists. So I know God has really good things for that too. Um, tell me about your own faith journey. Yeah, well, um, so my parents uh, were atheists who met 
on that campus where you got stranded. <laughs> they, they both went to that college and um, ended up falling in love with each other and then falling in love with God. Actually, uh, a mutual mm-hmm. friend of theirs gave them each a book by C.S. Lewis. And that was the start of their um, faith journey, asking questions and stuff. So I was raised in a home um, where God was really at the center and my parents were baby believers, still kind of figuring things out, but they were very passionate about teaching us to pray and uh, read the Bible and and all of those things. So um, that's kind of how I started. Um, And my father was a space artist So NASA and JPL would send him, you know, these discoveries that they had made in space, a new planet or a new star, and he would do a beautiful painting of it, an artistic rendition, and that would be published alongside the release of this discovery. Um, And so as a child, you know, my dad would always take me outside at night to look up at the stars and he'd teach me all about the different constellations and, um, and remind me that God had made each one of those stars. And so it was, uh, it was really interesting to be raised by a man who was very scientifically minded, you know, he has awards for his scientific journalism and things like that, but he has also really had a firm belief in God. Um, And I think that probably influenced me with regards to how later on I would become a scientist who also had a faith in God. Um, But that doesn't mean that my faith journey was simple or straightforward because it wasn't. Um, And in my early twenties, I walked away from the faith and walked away from following God. Um, I never stopped believing that he existed, but I had a lot of questions that people weren't able to answer. A lot of those questions had to do with suffering uh, and why God would allow people to suffer. And um, and so there wasn't necessarily a conflict um, between faith and science for me, but at the university that I was going, at, going to, um, there were a lot of biology professors who were very adamant that we weren't allowed to ask questions about uh, anything metaphysical, including God, or bring those things up in class and that we would be dismissed from class if we did so. So I found myself very afraid of the fact that I was a Christian and trying to hide it, uh, really embarrassed of my faith. And that compounded with these other questions that no one was answering. And that kind of created a perfect storm that ended up with me walking away from the Lord. But he brought me back in a really powerful and beautiful way. And um, I really appreciated Zoe's question earlier about, is life different with God or without him? And that has been my experience that life is just not the same without him. And um, so when I came back to the Lord after that season of kind of journeying and questioning and struggling, it was, it, it really felt like relief and surrender. And it just kind of felt like coming home in a way. Uh, but my faith was even stronger then than it had been before. And so it's good to ask questions. It's good to, you know, um, test a belief and see if it really holds, holds up. So I really appreciate your perspective, Zoe, that you seem to be doing that really well. I think that's great. That's a bit of my faith journey. Hmm. That's awesome. What got you into speaking and trying uh, to share your faith with others? Yeah, (laughs) I never thought I would be a speaker. I've always been a little bit shy. Um, In fact, my parents sent me to a shrink when I was a kid because I didn't have any friends. I just wanted to sit in my room and grow plants and read books and, you know, hang out with my pet hamster. And like, I didn't want to play with the other kids or whatever. I mean, if I was in class and the teacher called on me to answer, my whole body would immediately start shaking. And I had a bit of a stutter and I just hated speaking in front of other people. So anyway, God has a sense of humor that now I'm a public speaker. Um, So it started actually, I think, in Oxford. Um, There was a woman who was such an incredible Christian apologist, and I loved watching her. She was had a background in neuroscience and neurobiology. She studied the human brain. And one time she invited me to accompany her to Cambridge. So we went down to that university and she gave a lecture and invited me to help answer questions at the end of that lecture, which I was terrified about because these people were way smarter than me and could ask any question at all. And I was absolutely terrified, but being able to be there and offer people not just information, 
but hope and truth and speaking, not just to a person's mind, but speaking to their heart. Um, that was a really powerful experience for me. And so even though I was very afraid of that, I continued, um, continued and, and I was invited, you know, more and more by some other of, of the professors in the program that I was at to, to join them. And so, yeah, that's kind of how it started. It was pretty organic. And then from there, it just grew and took off. Yeah. Wow. And in the podcast episode that I listened to, you had started a ministry that you said was still going today. Um, would you share a little bit about that? Because I thought it was so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So when I came back to the United States, I realized that if I had had the training I'd had before, I had my um, that season that I mentioned when I was in my early 20s, I walked away from my faith because I had questions people were, couldn't answer for me. And I realized if I had gone and received this training before that time, I probably wouldn't have the cri faith crisis that I had had. And I saw a lot of other young people who were walking away from their faith because they had really good questions that nobody could answer. And so I thought, well, I can't change the world. I can't change this for everyone, but I can go to one campus and be there uh, and try to do the best that I can in that place. And so I went to a particular school where a lot of my friends had walked away from their faith after attending this university. Um, and I started an apologetics club and it was open to anybody, you know, whether you were a Muslim or atheist or agnostic or Buddhist or whatever you were just to come and eat some dinner and discuss what we believed and why. Um, and it was a really fruitful time. And, and, um, and we of course had some guest speakers coming in now and then, and we hosted a big conference on campus and flew speakers in from all over the place. And, uh, I will never do that again. That was so exhausting. <laughs> it was wor like worse than like planning a wedding or something. Um, but wow, just seeing it's so beautiful when you just invite people to share where they're at and say, you know, you can you can share wherever you're at. You're not going to be attacked. We're just going to have a, a conversation about, you know, what's true. We're all fellow truth seekers here. We all want to know what's real and what's true and just learning from each other, listening to each other. But also it's a chance to stand for what you believe. And um, and a lot of people actually have come to faith through the through the years through that club mm -hmm. and it's totally student run now which I'm so proud of that and just want it to continue that way so wow that's amazing yeah all right well I've got some questions here kind of segueing into Zoe's questions but Zoe you're actually here so you can ask whatever you want uh Zandra just shared okay. who she is go ahead okay um you said before that uh having God in your life was a relief but the thing is, like, I understand that, but since I haven't experiences, experienced it, it just, I don't really get it. It's just hard for me to, like, imagine that it would be, like, such difference in my life. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's hard to, like, imagine how it could happen and how it would affect me about how I am now. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point, Zoe. We can't we can't experience something that we haven't stepped into yet. And everything you say makes sense about that. Um there's no reason for you to say, yeah, it's it's so much better following God and being with him if that's not something you've experienced. Um I picture it like someone who has been on a really long journey and it's been good times and bad times and easy times and hard times. So they've been walking on this road for a very long time and they're tired and their feet are sore and they come around the corner and there's a person standing there with a chair and they say to the traveler, um, you can sit in this chair and have rest and feel better from, from this long journey. Um, and that's an invitation, but it's up to the journey, the, the person on the journey to accept that invitation or not. 
and you might say, no, I don't want to sit in the chair and keep going. And that's up to you. And probably down the road, there will be another person with a chair. But if you have faith that that chair is going to hold you and you have faith that when you sit in it, it's not going to crumble under you and you're going to hit a rock and be in even more pain than you were before or whatever. I think there's that's that's the amazing thing about faith is when you say, yes, I, I will try it. I don't have all the information, but I have enough to know that it's worth taking steps towards belief. And um, that's why Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, like carrying a heavy backpack, and I will give you rest. So he invites people to come to him like he is the chair. <laughs> and he says, you come, I will hold you. Um, and, and that for me, I think is what I meant when I explained that experience that, that life is better when you're with him. Did that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good question. It's <laughs> great. You got another <laughs> one, Zoe? <laughs> it's good. Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, well, how do I know that I received this invitation? I mean, how do I know, like, this is the moment? because I don't want to stamp it to something that I don't fully believe because I feel like this is not a good thing. I don't know how to explain that, but yeah. Can I, sorry, did you mean you, you aren't sure that this is a good thing or you do believe this is a good thing? Oh, no, it's a good thing, but like, I don't know. Why would I, I mean, step into this and believing like, God, if I don't, like, fully believe in that, why would I start, like, I don't know, going to church or doing some, like, reading the Bible? Because if I don't have the faith that I truly believed in, like, what's the point of doing that, if that makes sense? Yeah, that does make sense. Thank you for for your honesty there. I think it's a valid point. Um if we have to have um, 100% certainty to believe in something, I don't think we will ever believe in anything. And so I hope it doesn't sound like I'm saying, you know, that you have to have 100% proof that something is real before you believe in it. You just have to know that there's something on offer in front of you and that it's something that you believe could be good. And uh, so, so to your point, um, we can even think about this like science. I don't know. My mind, my brain is science. Um, that you get certain bits of evidence, certain bits of information. And each one of those bits by themselves might not be enough to convince you that something is good or true. But when you put it all together, you get a better picture. And so you can look over the last 10 months or whatever it's been, Zoe, and you can look at your experiences in the United States and the family that you stayed with and some of the experiences that you had of them and what their faith looked like. Um, what do you know to be true of God? What do you know to be true of Jesus? What do you know to be true of the people who follow him? Those are the questions that are worth asking. So if you can ask those questions and come back and say, okay, from all that I've observed and all that I've seen, the basic trajectory or the basic trend to the basic pattern is that this is true and it's good. The basic pattern tells me that there is a God who exists and he does love me and he wants a relationship with me. And that's why there's a pattern of he brought you to certain people who could show you that he brought you to certain people who could show you his love because he wanted you to know that he was real. It's it's almost like, oh, actually, I don't want to go. I don't want to talk too much. Sorry. So maybe I'll I'll stop there and not go into a bunch of analogies. You're fine. I'm fine okay. with that. Okay. So what I was going to say, and I hope I'm not over talking is, um, <laughs> no, you're not. Uh, okay. So during the pandemic, during COVID, I was working as in hospice. I was a hospice worker. Are you familiar with that English word? Yeah. Okay, great. Your vocabulary is amazing, by the way. 
<laughs> your yeah, your English is really good. And your pronunciation as well. I used to teach English. So, and my first time abroad was in France and my French was so bad and people were so patient with me. So I have a lot of um, respect for the hard work that you've put into mastering the English language. You're doing awesome. Um, yeah. But what I was going to say before is I was working, um, taking care of, of people as they were passing away during the pandemic. And as you remember, uh, there were a lot of restrictions on entering someone's home. And so family members would leave stuff all over the front lawn of someone, you know, an elderly person that they weren't allowed to go in a big poster that says, we love you, grandma, you know, and all of these things just to tell the person inside, um, that they hadn't been forgotten and that, um, you know, they weren't alone. And I think God does that for us. I think he leaves signposts to us so that even before we've opened our heart to him, as if our heart is the house, even before we've opened the door to him and allowed him in, he's leaving these signposts out in the world for us to see. And all of these messages are the same, that he loves you, that he knows you, and that he wants you to sit in the chair. He wants you to come to him for rest and to believe in him. Um, so I hope that answered your, your question. Yeah. Yes, it did. Okay. Zoe, you're on a roll. You got another one? Uh, not now, but okay. it, was, it was really interesting. Okay. All right. Well, I have some questions here, and maybe you'll have some follow-up questions once I ask these. Um, so Zandra, a lot of people think that science and Christianity don't mix, that they're mutually exclusive. In fact, just before I jumped on this recording, um, I got an email from National Geographic. I'm on their email list or whatever. And there was an article that I had to pay for, so I didn't read the whole article, but it said, why Noah's Ark will never be found. Um, scientists are uh, contemptuous about you know this. Uh, and I just... As I was looking at that, I was thinking a lot of people around the world think science and faith are mutually exclusive and you have to give up one to uh, follow the other. Would you speak to that? It's, it's sad how often that comes up, isn't it? You know, through, through the public and, and through the media. And it certainly doesn't have to be that way. I mean, I think they don't mix. We don't see them mixing because people are afraid to put them together, but that doesn't mean that they can't go together. Um, so in my view, you know, my faith is what allows me to think better to be a better thinker in the sciences. And on the other side, my scientific practice has bolstered my faith in God greatly because it teaches me more about his mind and how he thinks. Um, so science can show us what something is and how it works, you know, the mechanisms of something. But belief in God helps us to see why something exists because there's no explanation for why is there, you know, this beautiful tree here outside of my window? I mean, science can tell me how it grew up from, from one single seed and over time, you know, formed these rings and it's getting stronger and bigger and how it can produce fruit and how it can produce flowers and all these things and how it interacts with its natural environment. But none of that tells me why this tree is so beautiful and why every leaf, if you hold it up to the sun, is just incredible. So, um, you know, you might hear an atheist author say, well, you know, we don't have to believe in God because now we understand science more. And people might not like that because they feel like it takes the beauty away from the world, but we can't help it that we know what's true now. Um, and they'll sometimes reference a rainbow, you know, we look up at a rainbow and it's so beautiful and we say, oh, it's a sign of God's promises. It's so beautiful. Uh, but then to say, well, no, it's not. It's just photons being bombarded by raindrops and that's what makes the color and that's all it is. But I, as a scientist and a Christian can look at it and say, that's so cool that that's how he did it. He made a rainbow using photons and raindrops. And that's beautiful to me. I love knowing more about his technique and it just makes me love him more. 
It's like the first time I went to see, um, there was this beautiful impressionist exhibit that came through the Denver Art Museum here in Colorado. And I saved up all my pennies and bought a ticket and went and saw it. And it was so incredible to see the works of Monet in person for the first time, to stand in front of a painting and see the brush strokes of this master artist. And it was it was so great to learn more about his broken color techniques, you know, which gave a canvas almost like this luminous glow. And um, and all of that. I was learning more information about his technique, but that didn't make me love Monet less. It made me love Monet more and appreciate him more. And in the same way as I study science, it makes me love God more and appreciate his work more because I'm learning more about his handiwork and more about his craft. Hmm. That's good. So any thoughts or questions about that? Uh, I just like how you see and how you mix those two because yeah, I feel like in school, even teachers, I mean, they have to teach us in a certain way, but there's never a discussion about something else than just science and what happened and like how it happened, like in a mm -hmm. scientific way. And yeah, I just like what you said. Yeah, it's a beautiful part of the puzzle, but it's not the full picture. So yeah, to what you're saying about your teachers, that's true. What are some of the biggest concerns that you address when discussing faith and science? Like what are the questions that young people bring to you? And I guess something I'd love to know is what's your favorite um, argument or reason for believing that it's not just science, but also there was a creator? Mm -hmm. Wow, really good questions, Janelle. I think one place to start um, in terms of a large concern that comes up from young people is either from Christians who go into the sciences and they're afraid they have to give up their faith or really passionate, really intelligent, young, scientifically minded people who are interested in God, but they're afraid if they convert to Christianity, they're going to become stupid. They're going to become unintelligent because there's this rhetoric out there. Sorry. There's this uh, way of speaking out there that says, if you believe in God, you can't be a good scientist because religious people are gullible. They believe whatever they hear. They believe in, you know, fairies in the trees and whatever. Um, so therefore, they have a lower capacity for intelligence. They probably shouldn't even be in our universities. And this sort of way of speaking is very strong, especially in academia. And that's just, I mean, I don't want to be rude, but that is nonsense. That idea is nonsense. It's not true that Christians are less intelligent. Um, for one thing, look at all the Christian people who have a PhD in a scientific field. So many of them are at the top, you know, on the very cutting edge of their particular field. And they're doing amazing research and they believe in God. Um, or we can look at the forefathers and foremothers who have founded new scientific principles historically. And these people believed in God and claimed to believe in God. For example, Georges Cuvier, who was the father of paleontology, um, and an amazing French scientist, I might add. Um, he did amazing work. And then another amazing French scientist who was a Christian was André-Marie Ampère, who was the founder of classic electromagnetism. And that's why the unit for the electric current is an ampere. It's named after him. And he was a devout Christian man. Um, Gregor Mendel, father of modern genetics, the list goes on and on. Or, I mean, look at the people who actually won Nobel Prizes in their field who were Christian. Um, one of my favorite quotes is, is from Werner Heisenberg, who was the father of quantum mechanics and a Nobel Prize winner. And he said, the first gulp from the glass of natural sciences will turn you into an atheist. Mm -hmm. But at the bottom of the glass, God is waiting for you. And he believed that the longer you do science, the longer you look at the handiwork of the creator, the more you see him clearly and the more you're able to believe in him. So I don't think um, that belief in God makes you less intelligent at all. 
Um, and I'm not saying that atheists are less intelligent than Christians. I'm not saying that either. So I hope that's clear. I'm just saying the claim that Christianity makes you less intelligent is false. Hmm. Yeah. As you're speaking, it reminded me of a presentation I heard from Jay Warner Wallace this summer, a person of interest. Have you seen him give that presentation or watched the video online? I haven't, but I'm a big fan of, of oh, Wallace. Okay. Yeah. Well, Zoe, I need to send you this book, A Person of Interest. It's so cool because it's about Jesus, but it's all the evidence for him outside of the Bible. So it's kind of taking into account people who maybe wouldn't read the Bible but who would be intrigued by who is this Jesus and why did he change history? And one of the things that he did in his presentation, and uh, Jim is an excellent, excellent speaker. Um, he did this whole thing where he talked about uh, the different scientists, artists, philosophers, doctors, Nobel Prize winners who were Christian and all the modern scientists. In fact, I think all of the scientists were founded, or all of the science studies it's not scientists, all of the science disciplines were founded originally by Christians or people who believed in God. And it's just so interesting how in the last hundred years, I don't know, I think Albert Einstein, I think of, you know, him not wanting to admit that the universe was expanding in the early 20th century, you know, but in the last hundred years, it feels like there's been this huge push against believing that science and faith can intermix or, you know, can work together. And, it's so unfortunate because if you dig deep, like what you're, what you just shared, Sandra, uh, there's some, there's so much to discover. There's so much to find. I was listening. I'm sorry, I'm going on a tangent now, but I'm excited. <laughs> I was listening to Eric Metaxas. His book is Atheism Dead, and at one point, I think chapter five, because it goes on and on and on. It's a lot of information, but I, I was listening to it on audiobook. I paused it and I almost was weeping, thinking, God you're incredible. Your science, the way you did it was incredible. How could you, how could I ever deny you just by science? And I am not a scientist, Zoe, you know that I'm a feeler type. I love talking with people about their emotions. Give me some long talks about Jesus in a coffee shop. I am good. Talk about science, not so much. But God has changed my heart a little bit about that because the more I explore how he did things, the more I'm amazed at how incredible he is. Um, so I think what you're doing is fantastic. Uh, Zoe, I'll stop talking now. <laughs> Do you have any thoughts about any of that? Uh, no, I mean, I don't have any specific questions, but yeah, definitely if you have like books or YouTube videos or whatever that can explain that more that I can watch or read, I would really like to have that. Yeah, I would love to share those things with you. Is there a specific topic within this theme that you're really interested in or that you're maybe hung up on? Or uh, what I mean is, is there something that you feel like if you could answer that question would really help you to believe in God? I don't really know. I feel like I kind of have question if I really go deeply into my thoughts about a lot of topics, but... I don't know. I can just start somewhere. I don't. Yeah, I have some um, thoughts for for videos I can share with you. And actually, I have a couple of books. Do you like to read like yeah. physical books? Okay, yeah. me too. I'm not like a Kindle person, so I I would love to send you a couple of books that I think um, you might be interested in. I know you're busy in school, but you can read them over your break or something. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That'd be, that'd be amazing. I was just thinking about Justin Brierley. He's on TikTok. He does some really short videos, which are really great. And then he has long form through his podcast, Unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And then um, that darkroom faith that Mary Jo Sharp does, I think would also be an excellent resource. We'll link both of those in the show notes as well. Um, but Sandra probably knows a lot more about resources out there too. Well, a couple I can, if you, if we're yeah. uh, plugging resources yeah. right now. Yes. Um, so one thing, Zoe, that you might be interested in is this book, which is here on my shelf. Um, and it's called God's Undertaker Has Science Buried God? Isn't that cool? There's a little shovel on the, <laughs> and, uh, it's by a man called John Lennox. He's an Irish man and he is an amazing thinker. 
Uh, he has three PhDs. He's a smart dude. But um, the reason why I like this book is a lot of agnostic people really enjoy reading this book. Uh, it's very accessible to people who don't believe in God as well. And so I think that might be good. Um, and there's another one that I really like. It's a little bit more technical and it's kind of old. <laughs> it's from like the 80s, but it's called Science and Christianity Conflict and Co or Coherence. And as you can see, it's full of like <laughs> sticky notes. <laughs> I have so many notes in this because um, he's written just though he he looks at the whole like everything, different cultures and history and whatever, and combines everything into why he believes um, that God is Lord of the sciences, that God created science as a gift to give to us as a way to learn more about him. And it's this idea that God wrote two books one book that he wrote is the Bible. And the other book that he wrote is nature. Nature is like a living, breathing book that we can go outside and walk in and look at the trees and listen to the birds. And we can learn about God by reading its pages, so to speak. And um, so he, he likes looking at both of those things to learn more about God. So if you're interested, I would love to send you those at some point. Sure. <laughs> Ah, I love that. So Sandra, you're a person of science, you're a person of faith, but why do you follow a man who lived and died 2000 years ago? What are your reasons? Yeah, that's a good question. It sounds kind of silly, doesn't it? It sounds kind of ridiculous to say there was a man who lived on earth 2000 years ago who I believe is God and I worship him, and I'm a scientist, <laughs> and a scientific thinker, people might say, okay, you're, you're not qualified to be a scientist. You're not an objective thinker. So I, I yeah, it does sound silly. Um, but there are a lot of things that we believe in that at the beginning sound really silly. A lot of scientifically proved principles, like the fact that you can have one particle and another particle and they can exist in the exact same space at the exact same time, we still don't understand physically how that's possible, but we've observed it and we know that it's real. It's the principle of electromagnetism, right? So um, there are many things that we believe <laughs> that sound silly, but the more digging you do and the more evidence you look at, it becomes more believable. And for me, that's it. It's not about how ridiculous a claim sounds. It's about how... Uh, how good of a job the evidence does at convincing you that that claim is true. And so in short, to answer your question, the reason why I am a scientist, but I still believe in Jesus and I believe in his life is because it is verifiable. Um, some of the best books that I've ever read on the resurrection um, were written by people who set out to disprove the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And they did all the work, all the investigation of all the evidence, and they ended up converting to Christianity. <laughs> and so they tried to write a book to disprove Christianity and ended up writing a book about their conversion story. And that's really interesting to me, that there are so many incredibly intelligent people who ended up basically converting themselves just because they took an honest look at the evidence. So that's part of why I get so excited about belief in Christ is because I love the evidence. I love looking, you know, doing the investigation. Um, and so the resurrection of Christ is something I get really excited about. And so Zoe, the reason I'm talking so much about the resurrection of Christ as a reason for why I believe in him is because in the new Testament or in the, in the gospels, which describe uh, what happened during his life, what he said and what he did in those records of his life. He said multiple times that his resurrection would be the proof that he was who he claimed to be. That when he rose from the grave, that would prove once and for all that he was God. So if the resurrection actually happened to me, that's a persuasive indicator that we can believe in Jesus as God. But if you can disprove the resurrection, then you don't have to worry about Christianity because Christianity can't exist without the resurrection. So you can basically just cancel out the fact that Christianity could be true if you can prove that Jesus never rose from the grave. Um, 
And I love that you brought up J. Warner Wallace, um, Janelle, because he wrote one of these books. He was a cold case homicide detective who tried his skills out on the evidence of the resurrection and ended up writing this book called Cold Case Christianity, which is about how he came to believe in God. Um, or Frank Morris's book, Who Moved the Stone? <laughs> same story, same exact story. Um, and then you've got these top, like brilliant uh, academics. Um, there's one who's at Oxford, or he was at Oxford, he's retired now. His name is Richard Swinburne. And he's basically analyzed the probability that the resurrection happened using what we call Bayes' theorem. And he approximated it to be a value of a 93% probability. And that doesn't prove that the resurrection happened at all. But a probability of 93% is incredibly high. I mean, in the world of biology, if I make a discovery that you know has a probability of 80% of whatever my hypothesis is, I can publish a paper on that. So it's 93% is a really high probability. Um, so as a scientist, I really geek out about the evidence and the fact that you can go back and look at these things, that you can analyze these things. And you have to use inference because it was a one-time event. You can't go back into the laboratory and sort of reenact the resurrection of Christ. Um, it's it's more like the beginning of the universe, you know. Um, that was a one-time event, but we know it was real. We know it happened and we can look back to learn more about that event and it's the same with the resurrection so yeah mm -hmm. i could go on forever about that sorry i'm nerding out a little bit <laughs> i love it i love it zoe thoughts or questions uh following up to that um it was just real interesting i'm processing it but i just i understand there's proof but i don't know i just feel like I understand all that and I mean I talk to you and I talk to Jenna and I talk to my house parents and I definitely believe and like I mean I know that they do believe in that but for me it just seems like something is not like fitting with me like it's interesting and I'm interesting in that but I don't know do you think you can identify I know this is a hard question, but if you could give a name to that piece, or let me ask you this way, Zoe, what would you need? What evidence would you need or um, knowledge or experience or whatever to feel like that piece fit, to feel like you could believe in God? I don't know. I feel like I just need to feel something like inside I would make me believe in that because for now i don't like i'm not reading something and like you know, like oh that makes so much sense and i can feel that in me like that it makes sense with what i think so i don't know i just feel like i need to feel it okay somehow. yeah so it sounds like maybe what you're saying is you you've learned a lot of information but you need to have an experience the experiential part is lacking. Is that right? Yeah. So you find a lot of these arguments convincing. Um, your experiences with your host family, that's a very convincing thing to know that they truly believe in God. That's a convincing thing and seeing how they live their life. But for you, you personally, in your own life, in your own heart, you need to have an experience of God that can help you believe that he's real. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. That's really good that you're able to identify that. I think that's a really good place to be. And um, I don't want to give you too much advice or be here to, you know, solve all your problems or anything. But one thing that helps a lot of people who are in a similar situation as you is to do this practice that we call the agnostics prayer. <laughs> and the agnostics prayer is a very simple prayer, Zoe. It's basically... God, I want to believe you exist. I want to believe you are there, but I need to have an experience of you. Please show me that you're real and that you love me. And if you do, I will take the next step towards belief. It's, it can come in different words for you, but that's basically it. God, if you're real, please show me. I'm open. I'm open. My eyes are open. My ears are open. I'm listening. I'm looking for signs of you. Show me yourself. 
And I think maybe you can try to pray that prayer for a little while and see um, if he gives you that missing piece that you need. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Doc Mar, we had talked about her possibly being here today. She was uh, the co-host from last month, and she's been on here a number of times. But uh, the first time she was on the podcast, it aired, I think, in April 2021. And she prayed something similar to that. And then I think it was the next episode we were talking, and she's like, something happened. And it was something, you know, small. But she's like, was that God? I think maybe it was, you know. Mm -hmm. But for her it felt like God was doing something and she wasn't sure. So Zoe, if you do pray that prayer and uh, you, you go there and you're just like, give me eyes if that, it, to see if it, if it is you. And just, you know, having seen some of this in action, it's okay to pray that prayer more than once too, you know. Um, yeah. God's not a genie in the bottle, but the Bible's very clear when we seek him, we'll find him when we seek him with all our heart. If you really want to know if God is real, if that really is what is inside of you, then tell him and he will be faithful. He will be faithful. Yeah. She's nodding. <laughs> Someday we'll have video with this, but right now we're, we're sticking with the audio for season five. <laughs> well, Vandra, the Finding Something Real podcast is about a journey towards restoration eternity, authenticity, and love. Of those four gifts, and obviously there are many others that we can find in relationship with Jesus Christ, which of those stands out to you the most in your life right now and why? Restoration, eternity, authenticity, or love? Sorry, I'm thinking. I'm stuck on two and I just can't pick between the two you can you can share both if you'd like can i hybridize okay i'm yes, gonna hybridize it happens um <laughs> so restoration and love mm. um in in christianity um we say that love is the main ingredient and um the reason jesus came was because of love and Jesus said to his followers that the world would know if they belong to him or not, if, depending on if they could love each other. He said, they'll know you're Christians by your love. And um, I think the reason love stands out to me is because I've been through a really difficult season that I won't get into for the sake of time. But um, I've experienced a lot of um, hatred from people and being able to be loved by God has been so incredible in this time that he's able to love us in a way that no one else can. And um, he's just, he never quits with us. Even if we do the wrong thing or we forget that he's there, he never, he never stops. And he's loved me so well recently. Uh, I just, um, I'm overwhelmed when I think about it. It's almost like falling into an ocean. It's just so much more than you can comprehend. Um, and it changes you as a person when you accept that love of God and allow him to love you. So I think for me in this season of my life, love, <laughs> yeah, I've never been loved like this in my life. Um, and it only gets better as time goes on. So so grateful for him and for the way that he loves me well, the way that he loves all of us. Um, and then restoration. I mean, my master's degree is in ecological restoration. So <laughs> I, I love that word. I love the idea that we serve a God who can take broken things and make them beautiful again, just like all the work that we did in the jungle with the broken forest that was black and dead and, dry, you know, and seeing how it could come back to life. And you could hear the sound of birds again and see the green and smell that delicious jungle smell again, you know, that moist, heavy air and seeing it come back to life is so powerful. But I'm just reminded that that's what God does with the human heart. He's like the ultimate restorationist and his job is to restore every broken heart and, and make it come alive. Um, so I think he's been doing that for me, as I mentioned, the way that he does that is through love. 
he's a restorationist and the tool he uses is the love that he has for his children. Um, and so, yeah, those are the, the two things if I can put them together. Wow. I love that. Well, Zoe and Sandra Carroll, thank you both so much for being here until next time. Thank you for listening to the finding something real podcast friend. This season, we are inviting young women to join me as they share their personal stories and ask honest questions or share objections to the Christian faith. We hope to feature a different story each month and then invite Christian guests on to share from their own journeys and experiences and maybe answer some of those questions in follow-up episodes. Friend, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ is still in the restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love business. I know not everyone has experienced that, but if you're curious at all at whether there's something real to be found in Jesus, I invite you to come back next week as we continue on a journey towards finding something real in relationship with Him. Until next time.